Thank you for ears that have a desire to hear. Hallelujah. If you're visiting with us the first time, uh, so glad that you're here. Direction. So, praise his name. So we just got through, for those of you, again, who maybe don't know much about Open Bible, we have a conference. We, have, we are in what's called a region. And so our region is the eastern region, which would make sense. So there's uh, a number of the eastern states of the United States that we have Open Bible churches in. And we just had a conference that just concluded yesterday. And it was unique. It was rare because it was a transition between our regional director who was retiring and our new director who was being installed. And it was truly a passing of a spiritual mantle, honestly, in, in the Old Testament sense. It was truly a passing of the mantle. And it was exciting. The Holy Spirit moved uh, in a special, special way. And so we are, we are happy with our new regional director, Josh Grimes. If you want to be more biblical, Joshua Grimes. And uh, it makes him sound a little bit more, you know, Moses-like. And, uh, but a, a great man of God with boundless in energy, unboundless energy, however you say that. It just, he will be busy, let me tell you. And so also at the conference was the regional director for the southeastern churches of Open Bible, which covers Florida, Louisiana, I believe Mississippi, uh, several other states, and that is Jim and Chris Beard. And Dr. Beard is uh, highly uh, thought of in Open Bible, and they were gracious enough, although they're really good friends with the Rupleys who were retiring, they were there to honor them as well. And so anyway, uh, I kind of cornered him. And I said, you know, it would be really cool, Jim, if you could come speak to our church. This man has a great word. How many could use a great word this morning? And they're wonderful people. They work together as a team. In fact, they both speak at, at seminars and retreats and what have you. And they have some great, great, great churches. I believe the we were talking in the largest open Bible church in the United States is in their region. And so... Uh, and they've got some exciting churches, man, especially when you get into the Jamaican churches. Amen? Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's a real privilege today to have Dr. Jim Beard. That's my, that's my cousin. That's my nephew. So uh, Jim Beard. And so if you would come, Jim, would you give them a strong hand of applause this morning? God bless. from the south. Ah, I like that. <laughs> and we love our Open Bible family. We've been in Open Bible. We've been in ministry for 45 years, and then we knew each other in our home church for 10 years before that when we were just wee ones. So we've, um, we love our Open Bible family. Pam Lombard, uh, who will be here Wednesday, she grew up in our church also, so she's a good friend of mine. Um, but, you know, you got some wacky relatives. I hope we're not your wacky relatives. No. <laughs> <clears throat> But we do love Open Bible. We love seeing the values that you have for marriage here, for giving, for being generous. We serve a good God. Yes, we 
and a big God. And uh, we just connected with Petersons. We've known them for a long time, from kind of from a distance more. We see each other at conferences and everything. And so we thought, well, our plane doesn't leave till 2, so let's go to church. Because I heard that today is Earth Day. And what better way to celebrate than to worship and honor our Creator? I mean, He's created not just Earth, but the heavens and the Earth, the galaxies. And, you know, I don't want to worship this Earth. I want to worship my God that created all of it. So thank you for welcoming us today. Okay, I have a question for you. How many of you remember back in the 1976 National Convention held in Dayton? Anybody at all? A few of you do. Okay. My wife and I parked a little Dotson camper out back of the church, and Pastor Card was kind enough to take us into town to where the, the meeting was, and uh, we just thought, who is this great guy? We'd never met him before, and he said, I'm the pastor, and we were so overwhelmed that somebody would show a couple of young whippersnappers so much kindness and grace as, as us. Because we, we didn't know where we were going to park that thing, and he was just so gracious to us. And uh, so 42 years ago, we were here. <laughs> I wish I could say I remember it well. <laughs> How many of you love the Lord? That's always a, that's always seems to be a question you always ask because uh, you want to know who's with you. You know, uh, it's just the way it works. But I want to I start off by sharing that what, what Pastor Neil said this morning about exchanging, you know, life is a series of exchanges. And I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to make an exchange. Uh, some of you live in fear about things that are happening things that could happen, things that happened in the past that could be repeated. And so you live in fear, and that has uh, really thwarted your spiritual growth. <clears throat> I want to tell you, this morning, before we go, you can have a chance to make an exchange. And I hope that you're looking into the machine and seeing faith on the shelf and putting your quarter in and going to pull that knob and see faith dispensed. But faith is a walking out of what you know to be true. God has not left us. God has not messed up somewhere and, and failed to be with us. God will not ruin his perfect record on our situation. You got that? I'm going to be speaking from Numbers 13 and 14 this morning. But I want to, uh, I want to give you a little bit of background I have three sons, and I'm so proud of them. All three were champions in high school and college, and uh, I have one son that is uh, not normal. Uh, he is an adventurer, and when I say an adventurer, I'm talking world class here. My oldest son, Kyle, is a mountain climber. Uh, that's what he does for a hobby. In fact, he named two of his children after mountain climbers, Whitaker and, and Mallory, and uh, and that's just the way Kyle is. Kyle has always been out there on the edge. Uh, he's been a, he's a successful businessman. He's the CEO of a large corporation in California. He's got some money and time that he can invest in his hobby. And uh, he uh, decided years ago when he left Wharton 
in uh, Philadelphia to, to climb Mount Cotopaxi in Ecuador. And so I thought, well, gee, he climbed a mountain. It's a, it's, but that got in his blood. And so he started climbing mountains. And he's climbed the five highest mountains on five continents in the world. And uh, he's a superbly trained and conditioned athlete. Uh, he has conditioned himself to be able to endure the harshest environments on Earth. He's camped at minus 40 degrees on the side of a mountain. And uh, his most recent adventure was climbing the mountain in Antarctica. He went on an Antarctic expedition. He climbed this mountain. You talk about fear, mom and dad. We've been following his mountain climbing uh, foray, and we have experienced fear of the inevitable, what we say, more than once. Um, while, uh, while he's in this mountain climbing mode, he, he climbed a Mount Everest. 29,029 feet, the highest point on planet Earth. Uh, he climbed in May of 2011. I was in graduate school, and I was able to share with my class at the time. I said, hey, my son just summited Mount Everest. And that's something that only 3,000 people have ever done. Now, hundreds of thousands have been on the mountain. Now, remember that. But only 3,000 have ever summited. That's getting to the very top of planet Earth. Because it's harsh, it's hard, and you, you, it takes 60 days to climb Mount Everest. It's not something you do on a weekend. It costs about $30,000. It's not pocket change. And so he goes out, and he decides he goes up through, through Nepal. He's climbing. He starts at a base camp. They go up a couple thousand feet, and they spend a couple days. They come back down. They have to go up and acclimate their, their blood. And they get up to an area where it's called the death zone. And the death zone, you have to breathe oxygen. Uh, your mind starts playing tricks on you, and that's where many people make the decision to leave the mountain and say, I've been on the mountain, I've climbed the mountain, I've gotten up as, as high as most people go, and that's good enough for me. But um, he told me something that I'll never forget. He said, Dad, when I was up there in the death zone, what they call the death zone because of the altitude, he said, there was, there was a man who, who lost the mind battle. I said, what do you mean? He said, he started listening to voices. He started hearing the wrong voices. He started uh, entertaining fear. And he died right there on the mountain. And Kyle said, when they die on Mount Everest, they leave him up there because it's too treacherous to try to bring him down. It puts everybody else in peril. And so there's many bodies frozen into the landscape on Mount Everest many of which Kyle had to step over on his ascent. And uh, he said, when you start listening to the wrong voices, you lose the mental battle. Now think about that. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? He said he had to literally separate himself from the other climbers and pitch his tent around the side of the hill, and they sleep at an angle. <laughs> but... Uh, he said, it was, it was scary because I had to keep my mind in the game. I had to keep my mind stayed on, on the project. I could not entertain the fear. He said, I had to focus on the climb and not even let my mind wander. Because once you lose control of your mind, you've lost the battle. End of story. He said it was surprising how many people just wanted to say that they'd been on the mountain. That was good enough for them. 
But he said most quit because they're not conditioned to even be on the mountain or they lost the mind battle. They started listening to others who were talking negatively and they pulled their thought process down. He said nobody who started talking negatively ever reached the top. Now, such is the case that we can make for the Christian life. I'm telling you. Just because we're Christians does not mean we're not going to entertain fear. I have ongoing fears. My, mind, my, my wife keeps reminding me about God's prevailing provision. God has brought us to a place. He will not forsake us. He will not ruin his perfect record on us. Just remember that. God will not ruin his perfect record on your situation. Now there are voices that are competing for your attention right now. How you respond to those voices determine how you will finish. So who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? I'm going to ask you that question many times. Maybe a dozen or more times through the course of the sermon. Who are you going to listen to? And I want you to go away from this place having made the exchange from faith, or from fear to faith. Having moved from the theory camp to the reality camp. Having realized that God is a greater God than anything that we have theorized in the past. God wants to do immeasurably more things in us and through us than we have even imagined. Now, I'm an, I'm, <laughs> I hate to say it because I don't feel that way sometimes, but I, I'm an old man. And I'm still holding on to the promise that God's going to use me in my later years greater than my former years. I'm going to be that Caleb that goes forth and says, give me the, give me the, the iron chariots. Give me the tough guys. That's, that's how I want to end up. And there are trials that are playing out in your lives right now. You have entertained the decision to give up and to accept defeat. You can do that. Or you can decide that God is God and he means what he says. So who are you going to listen to? Your sense of self-worth and your self-esteem have been eroded by a relationship gone bad. You, you see no good in yourself. You don't see any good in anybody else either because you have believed the lies about the lack of possibilities. It can't be done. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? The enemy of your soul wants to come between you and your promise. Do you know that? God put a dream in every one of your hearts, every one of our hearts, and I wish I had time to go into that whole area of God emancipating our dreams into reality. But God has put a dream in your heart, and if that dream is in your heart, God put it there. And he doesn't mean to use a, a, a carrot on a stick. You're going to press forward. You're going to realize that dream. Who are you going to listen to? Maybe you're beginning to wonder if your dreams that you had earlier in your life will ever come to pass. It's, it's God who put them there. Just don't forget that. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? The truth is, we condition ourselves to accept the worst in life instead of the best. We call ourselves survivors. You know, I don't want to be a survivor. I want to be a conqueror. I don't want to be somebody who just gets through. Just can say, well, I've been on the mountain. I want to go to the top. I want to be one of those who dares to press the edge and say my God is greater than anybody else or anything else, anything that can prevent me from going forward. I want that in my life. I want, God, you do it in other lives. Why not me? That's what I say. Why not me, God? Why not me?
I trust you. I'm going forward. I'm climbing up. And I'm going to stay on the trail. No matter how hard it gets. No matter how many obstacles are in my path. I will overcome because God is greater than anything that I will face. And everything that I will face is designed to shape me to be the person and the leader that he wants me to become. Numbers 13 gives the account of the possibilities that suffer a setback because of a bad report. It says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, We went into the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. Um, And this is the fruit. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And now down here we've got termites. And the land of Canaan was dwelt by the sea and along the bank of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Can you just imagine this, Caleb? We don't know what he looked like. We know how he ended up. He finished strong. Forty years later, he says, give me the tough spot. You know, He said, let us go at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. That's the minority report. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. Ten other spies says, no, we can't. No. I mean, it was good to get there, but we're, I'm really glad we're home. It's good that we're home safe. Let's eat this fruit, and let's continue our journey. But the men who had gone with him said, We're not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land to which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the descendants, and we were like grasshoppers. And so... That's what we were in their sight. Now, just let's stop for just a second, gain a perspective. This is the very place that God promised them for an inheritance. Why would God bring them up against a brick wall? Why would God bring them into a shredder? Why would God take them to a place that would chew them up and spit them out? Why would God do that? And if you look back at the history of their wandering In the desert, God provided and God did miracle after miracle after miracle. God chastised them at times and he blessed them and healed them at other times, but God kept them. And here they were on the doorstep of their inheritance. And all they could see was the obstacles. All they could see was the the, the fear factor. I believe it grieved the heart of God to hear the report of the ten spies who saw only the obstacles instead of the opportunities, who saw only the problems instead of the possibilities. You see, this was an opportunity for God to again display his mighty power, just as he, as he did right up to this point, to his children for receiving his promise. And it was a problem both with their faith and with their mentality. That's really where, where it is. We live in a physical body. and Sometimes we don't feel good, so what do we say? I don't feel good. That's just what we do, right? I, I did it the other day. I, I didn't feel good. I have this congestion that I caught sleeping in front of an air conditioner in a hotel, and 
in uh, Fort Lauderdale last week. And uh, I got the sniffles, and I said, man, you know, I don't feel good. And my wife says, well, let's pray. You know, there's always my wife to bring me back to the path of faith. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb spoke to the people. Now, let, let's look at the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation and the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring it into Bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. What he's saying is, hey, guys, we can eat these guys for breakfast. Come on. They're nothing. Our God is something. They're nothing. And we are with our God. Well, it didn't make much to convince the people that the old life of slavery and fear and struggle was better than what lay ahead for them if they continued to follow Moses and listen to Joshua and Caleb. They had decided who they were going to listen to. And the great chapter of Isaiah 53 records the account of God becoming man in order to lift his people from the slavery of sin. And the chapter starts with these prolific words. He says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? How many of you have found God to be real in your life? Man, I have. Thank you so much for the wonderful worship this morning. We go a lot of different places, and the worship isn't always very good, <laughs> to tell you the truth. And I know worship's a matter of the heart, but sometimes the musicians can make it a little, a little tougher to get there. <laughs> and I just want to tell you, thank you so much for a splendid and wonderful time of worship. Um, you, you have a world-class pastor here. I want you to know that. And, and you need to appreciate him because he's world-class. He and Angie are both world-class. And I mean that with all my heart. You know, if we really believe the report of the Lord, you know, we have a decision to, to move from the theory camp to the reality camp. And I like to do this. I like to say, this is the theory camp. Okay, over here, I know how to teach Sunday school class and lead the choir. I know how to do a Bible lesson. I know how to attend church. I know how to be an usher. I know how to do all these things. You know, that's, those are my acts of service. And uh, that's pretty much the summation of my walk with, with God. What I can do for him. That's all that matters, right? And then there is the reality camp over here. The reality camp is where we not only believe what God said in his word, but we act on it. We walk it out. And this is where faith resides. Sometimes fear resides over there. Faith resides in the reality camp. <laughs> and when I say the reality camp, I'm talking about the reality of, of, of God's ability. Now, either we believe God is who he is and does what he says, or we don't. It, it's not a gray area. Not even a varying shade of gray there. It's black or white. Either we believe it or we don't believe it. And sometimes we can mask our, we can mask our fear through acts of service and being involved and being busy and all that. But you know, deep down we're afraid. And we have to get over to the reality camp where we start walking in the power and the promise, the provision that God laid out for us. God has made it possible for his children to live in victory. But they must, they must step up. They must possess the land. They must believe that God is God alone and there is no one beside him. There is nothing that can thwart God's plan. 
There is no obstacle that can slow his progress. And when God desires to make one of his children into a leader, I would that we were all leading something for God. But when God designs a leader, he takes him over a rough path. And it's fraught with danger and issues and everything else. That's how God shapes us. In every group of people, there are two types of outlooks. You know that? In this group, there are at least two types of outlooks. Those who live in fear and those who walk in faith. Those who continually live in fear and those who continually walk in faith. Fear proponents are found in every group of people. They're the ones who can often skillfully point out the reason why something won't work. They instill doubt. And that's all it takes to pour cold water on a hot streak of faith. They can consider themselves the stable ones. They thrive on spoiling visionary leadership. These are the fear people I'm talking about. They work their way into leadership, and then they refuse to lead. Their mission in life is to keep things from getting out of hand, usually to the, to the detriment and the sacrifice of forward motion. Concerning future possibilities, they say, we've been there once, done that, good enough for a lifetime. So they erect a monument to what they lost. I'm not against monuments, but, you know, they can be a replacement for momentum. Either you're walking around a monument or you're moving in with momentum toward the goal. They walk in fear of losing control over their neatly compartmentalized little lives, and they inflict the same short-sighted perspective on those around them. Those are the fear people. Do you know anybody like that? Who are you going to listen to? Now, faith proponents are usually in the same group. They're not a dime a dozen. There's fewer of them. But they bring confidence to a situation because they know him who has never failed. I love listening to faith stories. That just energizes my spirit and wakes me up from any slumber I may be attempting. I love faith stories because they link possibilities of an infinite God uh, who looks for individuals who will simply trust him, who will simply believe him. They give themselves permission to rise above the seen world and enter into the unseen world that God has prepared for them who refuse to measure him by the yardstick of their own experience. Listen to me. I would that we were all walking in faith. They don't want to just get by. They don't want to just be on the mountain. They want to rule and reign with Christ right now. That's not frivolous theology. In fact, that's not theology at all. That's agreeing with what God said in his word, period. They don't falter when life hands them a disappointment. They turn their scars into stars, and they choose rather the role of victor over that of victim. Those are the faith people I want to walk with. Those are the people I want to have around me. Those are the people that when I have a weak moment, they're there to lift me up and Keep me going. Now, let me ask you, who are you going to listen to? You might say, nobody knows what I go through. Preacher, it's good. You got the microphone. You can say whatever you want up there. You don't know what I go through. You don't know my life. My wife and I have been through 
some tragedies in our life. And God brought us through every single one of them. You don't know what I've been through. I've lost a child. I can say that too. We've lost a child. You don't know what I've gone through. You know, something happened. I, I lost everything. It's like saying, it's like laying on the, by the pool at Bethesda, or Bethesda. You know, the, the, Jesus walked up and said, um, do you want to be healed? He said, well, I, you know, the first thing the man did was offer an excuse. Well, I, I would, but, you know, nobody can put me in the water. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, this is why I've got my, my trinket set out here to sell. You know, nobody's going to put me in the water. You know. Everybody else gets there before I do, and well, so here I am. Jesus said, get up, walk away. Bam, just like that. And, and I think, <laughs> when I get to heaven, I want to go back and watch that. You know what I'm saying? That's one of the things I want to watch is Jesus shattering that man's fear with an instant of faith that forever changes his life. So who are you going to listen to? When you feel overwhelmed, you don't feel you can go on. The Word of God teaches in Isaiah 59.9 that when the enemy comes in, and I like to say it like this, when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. The enemy comes in, God just floods them out. That's what's possible. So who are you going to listen to? You might feel like you just can't win. The, the world is against you, but God's word tells us you are, you are of God, little children. And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But you don't know what I go through. Well, then you have not had an authentic experience with Jesus Christ because he can transform any person in any shape anywhere John 1 1 John uh, 5 4 says uh, whoever is born of the spirit of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith our faith so who are you going to listen to you know faith and fear are enemies are you with me faith and fear are enemies it's just like light and darkness there really is no, darkness is not a thing. Light is a thing, but darkness is just the absence of light. So darkness isn't even a thing that it can call itself. It's an absence of light. And where there is faith, there can be no fear. Fear is a mindset produced in the mind of those unwilling to take God at his word. Fear has a way of immobilizing a group because it's like an anchor dragging on the bottom of a deep lake. Let's, let's draw some comparisons between faith and fear, okay? Are you with me? If you're not with me, raise your hand. <laughs> just, just kidding. Everybody's sitting and thinking, he said like, What? <laughs> Faith and fear. Faith, um, faith opens the doors, or faith opens our eyes to the possibilities. But fear tells us all is lost. Faith says, rise up and stand proud, but fear shames us and deletes our worth. Faith gives us the second breath, but fear takes our last breath. Faith sets our imaginations free to dream but fear shackles our minds with rusty chains. Who are you going to listen to? 
Faith causes our spirit man to, to declare invincibility through the power of Christ. But fear eliminates confidence and instills defeat. Faith gives us presence before the light of the world, but fear keeps us locked in a dark place. Faith makes us overcomers through the blood of the Lamb, but fear makes us victims afraid of our own blood. Who are you going to listen to? Are you with me? Who are you going to listen to? Faith calls us to greatness, but fear offers only mediocrity at best. Faith gives the will of God permission but fear makes the will of man priority. Who are you going to listen to? Faith emboldens us to change the course of history, but fear embitters us through the course of history. Faith delivers. Fear deliberates. Faith conquers, but fear acquiesces. So who are you going to listen to? You know, we're drawing a pretty distinct line here. Who are you going to listen to? Faith produces courage to engage in battle, but fear peddles only cowardice in conflict. Faith says, we can do this. Kind of an Adam Sandler statement. We can do this. And fear says, we better not try. Now, we better not try. Keep your feet on the ground. Let's not, let's not get excited now. When fear says, no, no more, please, no more. Please, no more. When fear says that, faith says, is that all you got? Is that all you got? And remember, when, when fear says, no way, faith says, Yahweh. And I want to tell you, that's where we need to stand. With God, our Savior, with God, our strength, with God, our, our Redeemer, God has brought us out so that he can take us into the promised land. He's brought us out of slavery, not to leave us in the wilderness. But because of our faith and not our fear, we will possess the promise of God. And I believe that many of you this morning, as Pastor Neil said earlier, you, you're in a process of exchange. You have an opportunity right now, right here, to exchange fear for faith. And faith isn't something that you conjure up in your mind. Faith is simply produced by agreeing with what God said in his word. That's all faith is. I agree with what God said in his word. That's all the faith I need. God will do the rest. If I agree with him, we're, we're out of here. You know what I'm saying? Now, I've used a passage in Scripture to illustrate both the potential of believing in God and the consequences of not believing in God. I don't want to miss out on God's best because I walk in fear. Okay? I don't want to miss God's best because I've chosen to, to listen to the fear voices. I'm going to walk in victory, and I'm going to possess the land. And I'm going to see that dream that he put in my heart a long time ago, emancipated and set free. Because I'm the keeper of the key. And I will either use it to lock it down in fear or to set it free, let it thrive in faith. I've used a comparison of faith and fear to drive home the point that uh, we need to choose one or the other. I've used the story of my son and the powerful illustration of losing the mind game and meeting certain death. I want you to know this morning that God wants us to be people of faith, not people who live a frivolous thing where we, where we just try to 
be irresponsible with our faith and get stuff we shouldn't have. That's not what faith is. That's presumption. But let me say this. I believe that you can see yourself in your mind's eye this morning reaching forward and grabbing the knob on that faith machine. And you've invested. You didn't even have to pay for it. It was already paid for for you. You just have to pull the knob. Take your faith and walk away. Walk with God. Would you uh, pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for the power of your word. We thank you that you have chosen to make us victors, not victims. And help us, Lord, as we face obstacles to know that uh, they're not too big for you. And we have to rely on you. That's the bottom line. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the walk of faith that produces a life of victory in you. Oh, God, thank you so much. You've done so much for us. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, nobody looking around. I just, I want to apply this, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to know that you are right now making that decision to make an exchange. I'm not going to walk in fear anymore. I'm going to walk in faith. And just with a simple up, upraised hand, how many of you would say that is, is the cry of your heart? Yes, yes, yes. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for these, these hands, these individuals who are saying, I want to walk with you, God. I may be facing something in my business, but it's not too big for God. God can bring me through. God can provide because he always has. And Lord, we commit it to you. We submit it to you. And we are yours. We're comfortable with that. And we believe what you said. In Christ's name. Amen. I wrote something down that Brother Jim said. Never phrased it this way before. So I found it really intriguing and powerful at the same time. That when Jesus was ministering to the lame man waiting for, who was waiting for the rippling of the water, the moving of the water. You know what he was really doing? I love this, Jim. Jesus was shattering the man's lack of faith by healing him. And that's a great word. What voice are you going to listen to? I had to leave conference on Friday. Really busy. I was in a lot of board meetings, but it was an emergency. And I had to come minister to basically talk someone off a bridge. Not literally, but it was a life death situation. It was difficult, and it was a battle. The person wanted to die. And you think, what are you going to say? You know, there's something about, I think, pastors that God has given them a certain amount of faith to be able to say, you know what, you know, it's going to be okay. That's not false. That's not hypocritical. That's not a lie. Sometimes you just have to pony up with someone. Lumber, sometimes you got a weak piece of lumber, so you put another piece of lumber with it. It's called sistering it. 
Sometimes you got a sister along with that piece of lumber that's inadequate, that's weak, and just say, it's going to be okay. You don't know how powerful sometimes your voice may be. That's, what, that's one of the things I was getting out of this. I know Jesus' voice is all-powerful. And he speaks to me. And there's been times when I was like down, depressed, when I was not knowing what to do. But I felt the assurance of the voice of Jesus. Like this song is playing, it says, uh, he leaves the 90 and 9 to come after the one. I spoke that, about that on Easter. And I just appreciate the word today. And as uh, just before you leave this morning, I'm gonna, I want to pray a prayer dismissal, but I want to encourage you to do exactly what Pastor Jim had to say. What voice, which voice are you listening to? And there are so many out there. And I want you to be truthful with me. How many was kind of hit right to the quick of your spirit? And you were challenged because you knew that you've been listening to the wrong voice. And that voice has been accosting you. That voice has been terrorizing you. That voice has come to discredit you. But there's a voice that would lift you up. There's a voice that would say, look to me and don't look at the others. Let me would say, honestly, there's quite a few hands right now. I don't think you're just answering just because you're trying to please me because I'm not looking for anybody to please me. I'm just asking an honest question because I know the devil's at work all the time. You always have a bullseye on you, constantly. Don't listen to his voice. If you didn't get that, I'll put it this way. Don't listen to his voice. If you didn't get that, let me put it this way. Don't listen to his voice. How many can say amen? Would you stand with me? Father, we go today in victory. We go as those who have experienced a liberating word. That means the bondages, the chains have been removed from us because there was a word that set us free and that is the freedom of Jesus Christ and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Lord, I thank you that you told the waves to cease. You told the wind to quit. You told the lame, get up and walk. And Lord, this morning, I thank you, O oh God, that you've already been delivering this morning. And we thank you, O oh God, for a good word. But now, Lord, I'm asking for adhesiveness. That there would be an adhesiveness between the word and then it would be stuck in our mind. Lord, I pray that this would be a word that would stick with us all week as it just gets more and more and more ingrained within us, Lord, I'm going to listen to your voice. I'm going to listen to your voice, and I'm not going to listen to the voice of the enemy. Now, folks, that is your prayer this week, and hopefully beyond this week. 
Hallelujah. The name of Jesus and his voice. Hallelujah. And everyone said amen. Hallelujah. Love you. You have an awesome, awesome week. Praise his name.